Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. Hello and welcome to Book Shambles. As usual, this is Trent, Cosmic Shambles Network producer, off the top. Before we get to this week's episode with Robin and Josie and novelist Kate Davis, a quick reminder that this week's episode, like every episode, is brought to you by our brilliant Patreon supporters. You can get extended editions of every episode of Book Shambles by becoming a Patreon supporter for as little as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash bookshambles to pledge. And a reminder about some live events as well we've got coming up from the Cosmic Shambles Network. March 8, International Women's Day. We will be doing a live episode of Science Shambles in conjunction with Manchester University and the Cosmic Superheroes exhibition that we staged last year. That will be at Manchester University. Uh, the panel will be Helen Chersky, Ginny Smith, Sheena Crookshank and Susie Gage. Uh, that is a free event, so make sure you register to get tickets for that. And we'll be doing two work-in-progress shows of a new show from Professor Chris Lintott, who you'll know from The Sky at Night and Stargazing Live, and Steve Pretty from the Hackney Colliery Band, Chris and Steve's Universe of Music. Uh, it's a show all about the crossover between the evolution of music and astronomy. That's at King's Place in London. Ten quid tickets for that. Uh, March 20th and... April 3rd, go to the events section of the cosmicshambles.com website to find out about all those events and some other stuff we've got coming up as well, as well as all the other podcasts and documentaries and blogs and stuff that we do. And now on to this week's episode with Robin, Josie and Kate Davis. Well, good. Um, hello. Welcome to Robin and Josie's... I, I did it right, didn't I? Yeah. Okay, I'll start again. Hello. Welcome to Robin and Josie's Book Shambles. Uh, my name's Josie Long. I have my glamorous assistant, Mr Robin Ince. Hello. <laughs> oh, I've just realised I've got a book for you. You start talking. Oh, lovely. And, and um, I guess today is Kate Davies. Is it, is it Davies? Am I being... I actually oh. say Davis, but it's confusing because there is an E. Do you know, our chi- my child, I can't... I'm not going to say her name. I realised after I'd not christened her, registered her, mm-hmm. that there are three very distinct pronunciations of her name, and I was like, "Oh, I've created a rod for my child's for back the rest of their forever." Yeah, and there's nothing I can do. No, there's not. That's that. You just have to not care. I just don't care. Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought, do you know what? She'll just have to accept that she it's technically fine. has three names. Yeah, not a problem. And that's that. Yeah. Oh, While the water is coming in, uh, the book <laughs> I got for you yeah. is. Uh, Proletarian Literature in the United States, an anthology. Oh, yes, please. The moment I saw that, I thought this one is uh, um, edited by Granville Hicks, Michael Gold, Isidore Schneider, Joseph Northpool, Peter and Alan Karmer, Erskine Coldwell, John Dos Passos, all that stuff. Wow, Dos Passos. Two passes. 
Uh, I thought that. I know you don't have amazing. time to read. I don't know, but, but do you know uh, what? They, they're, they're short. Yes, exactly. Yes. Do you know, my reading strategy at the moment has been have six books on the go, dip in now. And then your book is the only book that I was like, I can't dip in now. I have to finish it. And then it was about three days of my life where I was like, I'm just going to the toilet, hold the baby. And then I'm like <laughs> reading it in the toilet. I was so excited about um like I think it felt like a real thriller and really funny oh, and really like light and silly at the same time and I was like this is oh, man. so clever this is a great masterful Thank you I much. loved it it was so exciting so I've just brought you on to flatter you that's <laughs> brilliant I'll put some flatter handle that yeah. <laughs> um, so Kate's first book I want to ask you about it but we're also yeah. going to ask you about books that you love indeed um, but I, I and I feel like this is a question you're going to get asked all the time about your book. But how do you feel about the fact that your book is full of sex? It's absolutely chock full of sex. Yes. I don't know why I did that. I'm not a very sexy person and I don't talk about sex very much. So it had to just come out this outlet. It literally just came out of my hands when I was sitting down to type it. And And I kind of read it back and think, what the fuck have I done? I can't leave this in the book. But then I kind of think that when you've written something that's a bit scary and embarrassing, that's quite good. Yeah. And when you've written something that... I think what happened was I read a book, in fact, while I was writing it called Wetlands. Have you heard of that oh, book? Oh, yeah. yeah. Charlotte Roche, I think her name mm. is. Yeah. And it's filthy and disgusting. And I would just be sitting on the tube and it was like really graphic descriptions of all kinds of disgusting things. And I think it like took away some of my inhibitions while I was writing the book. And then I was like, all of this stuff that I'm writing is totally normal and acceptable because it's not as bad as Wetlands. Um, so I think that helped so me. Push the Overton window. Yeah. Push oh. the window open, never went back through the window. I but hope you kept the blinds down, though. Of course. All this sex going <laughs> Very on. Very Yeah. Sounds yeah. Like, the, um, it, it's a, sex in books is... Because, I, I mean, my introduction to sex in books was reading uh, short horror stories in the Pambuk Horror, because there was always one that was some... There, was, there would be one story per Herbert von Thal anthology, which yeah. was the sexy one. Sure, like, uh, and the vampire's mistress's gown fell off. Yeah, well, no, it would <laughs> normally be, take off your bra, she said vengefully. <laughs> um, and I think you might... I remember when we used to do the book uh, club, there was one thing which I'd always say that if you, all breasts in 1970s pulp fiction are firm, uh-huh. uh, um, and if in any time they are uh, lollop, that means that person's evil. Ooh. And breasts lollop, lollop out past the swastika necklace. No! Yeah. But it's, um, but there was, it's a, that, that bit of writing. Because Emma McBride's book, Lesser Bohemians, have you read that yet? I can't no, I'm not that. We had her a while ago on, on and, and that one, in terms of getting the nervousness, it has, uh, I don't think this gives away anything about the book. She's a, in, in the book, she's a young drama student who then kind of starts a relationship with an older actor. And just the way that she builds that, the, the tension and the uncertainty, and then sometimes the kind of the sudden freedom, whether that's because they've been down the pub or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or that sudden freedom, and then that moment where the adrenaline takes over the alcohol and blah, you know that that one was one where I I, I thought it, it was tremendous in in terms of the the way that it created that image in our minds. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of other times you go. I think I, mean, I don't know whether it's more men or women, but you read it and you go, "This is written as if someone is writing the scene for the film." Yeah, and it's not—it's not the sex in the mind. Yeah. It's the—it's the sex of, and this now will be the next shot you see of her bottom. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's like the opposite of what I felt like with yours. I felt yeah. like yours had that same. It was a, It was like sex was a prism through which all the different things happened in yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, it, depending it, on what the relationships like, the sex is different. Yes. Yeah. 
And also, I feel very. Str- I, I went to the Bad Sex Awards once, which was quite, which was really funny. But I didn't. I didn't agree. So their basic premise is there shouldn't be no sex in literary fiction, ever. They just don't believe that you should ever do it literary review, and I disagree with them about that. I just think you should like not write terrible sex. So don't write any. Don't put loads of adjectives in. Do not use any similes in your sex. Like just just kind of describe what's happening and then. It will work, I think. Oh my god, similes! Just don't oh, do it. No. That's when you get into the bad sex awards. Of course, yeah. I was thinking about like, yeah, like why it why it works so well, and it is. It's just very direct, yeah, and it's very much about like the emotion and the plot as well. Mm-hmm. But then also, like, I, I mean, as a very vanilla straight person, it was really interesting and informative to read yeah. something that had so much lesbian sex in it that was yeah. like. Like and I think it said in some of the premise stuff that people were like, oh, I now feel like I understand lesbians more or something. <laughs> but it was really useful. Yeah, it primer. is right. But I guess I wrote it. I started writing it not that long after I come out, and I was also a bit like, oh goodness, that's how you do it. That's what the lesbians. <laughs> and I just think I think I was excited about it because I was suddenly like, oh, I really enjoy sex now, and I used to think it was kind of whatever because <laughs> I was a lesbian. Turns out. Um, but also, yeah, it's just, <laughs> this is not working why. at all. I've made a list of five reasons why it might be. I've crossed off the first three and there's only leaves two left. The you use of the wheelbarrow or I'm a lesbian. <laughs> uh, no, I, what kind of books do you love reading? And like, do you feel like you were influenced by anything in particular? Very absolutely seamless segue for absolutely. me. Absolutely. I brought a notebook full of books because when people ask me questions, I my mind just goes completely blank. Well, also, I feel like this is very diligent. And very good. I've actually got categories. I've got books, <gasps> gay books, funny books, and sexy books. Just in case you're like, what? What gay books have you? Do you see? That is research. <laughs> I'll tell you. What, I have to admit, Claudia Hammond though still yeah. wins on that because she did a book from the age of twelve years old, maybe younger. Do you remember? Yeah. She had a notebook. Every book she read with a small review and a little rating. Oh, that's Astonishing. amazing. Yeah. No, but we're not I, saying that to, uh, in any way, though. It, I'm still to. glad you bought your notebook. <laughs> Lost and, and I also think we should honour your categorising system. Thank you very so much. So we should almost like have a spinning wheel. And yeah, it'll go and like, be like, Whoop. books general, books funny, uh-huh. books gay. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> yeah. I've also got recent, just oh, in case. Re- but this actually is they're so not that recent. Good. I know. They're just things I've read more recently. So what sort of things do I like reading? So the things that inspired me, I think, with this book, I really loved... Bridget Jones's Diary and I think when I when I first started writing this novel I kind of thought of it as a kind of lesbian Bridget Jones's Diary and but then I kind of veered off into much more sex and darkness than that but I think that that book that first book is very good and very funny yeah and I maintain that it's a good novel um uh, I love David Nichols I think he's really good observer of people and of relationships and he's got that kind of, he's funny um and he manages to be both funny and sad yeah. and I like his prose and I kind of like I, I like entertaining books I suppose like when I read I want to be I want to be entertained and I often uplifted I think that's what I kind of look for in a book yeah. because I, that's why I'm reading Can I I ask you, so when when did, did you is there a point in your life where as opposed to just being someone reading books you were reading them and thinking I'm going to write books one day. And you started to kind of look slightly differently. You know, when you read them, you think, ah. And and it doesn't have to be a very conscious voice, but somewhere along the line, you're beginning to to draw things out. Yeah, analyse and... and... It's interesting. I don't really... I think when I was at university, I think I wanted to be an actress, actor, sorry, and uh, massively failed because I wasn't any good at it. Um, But I was kind of thinking... I suppose I've always been thinking about storytelling in that way. Um, 
And then I left and tried to become a an editor in fiction and again did not succeed but I did manage to get a job in children's books writing children's books which is where I really started writing but writing non-fiction children's books um, rather than fiction and I think because at that company lots of the people had left and started doing it themselves I was like I could do that then if my if these other people have done it I can do it as well yeah um so that's kind of where I started and then I tried to write scripts is what I wanted to do first like film scripts and sitcoms and stuff and again did not succeed so See, it's kind of I like, like a this... series of failures no this narrative <laughs> is actually you slowly refining what it is you want to do yeah and yeah. slowly finding your actual um peg to put the shape through Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, I'm thinking in terms of baby's toys. Absolutely. <laughs> you had the star and you're like, it's not fitting in the square. Oh, yeah. It's not Damn fitting it. in the circle. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, it's fitting oh, in the star. Here we go. We'll do it there. Yeah. So I don't know. And I, when was it? After I was writing my many failed sitcom scripts and stuff, I, I moved into a different publishing company and did start working with fiction. And I think then when I was editing, like, you got you know you get submitted manuscripts that might be published and you're kind of looking you're looking at them and you're judging them yeah and I suppose I was like well I reckon I could do that I can you know and so I think that's where it came from. Well, you must have read a lot of manuscripts mean. that you were like this dolt yeah what are they doing? But it does make it's quite nice because it feels more achievable yeah. because you see a lot more and also it's not edited so I think when you when you're a person wanting to be a writer and you're reading like the book apply shortlist or whatever that, that's like first of all quite literary stuff but also edited stuff and if you're reading raw stuff that hasn't been published yet but also agents think is good enough that's quite encouraging because it's not it's unpolished it's more achievable and you go oh this is the standard that needs to be achieved yeah okay yeah i could do this yeah yeah exactly that's exciting Mm -hmm. and then what let's go back to your list what other big list my massive uh, list what else do you love most sexy books Oh yeah, okay. Should I go to Let's sexy do sexy books, books first. Gay books, funny books, sexy books. I've written down. Um, that's hilarious. Did you? Did you? You did it English, didn't you? Did yes. you ever read Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure? Yes, so funny hill. Sexy, funny hill. Cleaned. My God, read it five times. <laughs> like maybe more. Loved it. Exciting when you're, especially because you have to read so much dry old shit. Like, (laughs) I mean, obviously, some most of it is the most incredible literature in the world. Obviously, but like, I really didn't bond with the Fairy Queen. No, and then around the same time, yeah, you're you're like trawling through that, and then you're like, oh, hello, this is just genuinely porn. Yeah, and like, and I'm allowed to read it. it, You know, like, there's no fucking about. There's no like, well, here's 500 pages with one hint. It's like sex, bam, 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 all the way through. Sex, 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 the end. Great. Yeah. And so varied. Dildos, lesbians, all kinds of stuff going on there. Yes. Yeah. See, this is a prototype for your book. Absolutely. Do you know what else is? Tipping a velvet. A lot of sex. Yeah. So much from the beginning. Bam, bam, bam. But then did you read that prior to coming out and be like, I don't know why I'm so interested in this book. <laughs> Fascinating book. I just book. Like, was writing my list of gay books, for instance. And a lot of my book, my favourite books when I was younger like Stephen Fry's Moab is My Washpot, when I was like a teenager, did know I was a bit gay, to be fair, did have crushes on girls, just, just didn't know what to do with it, kept it secret. But he describes falling in love with a boy in that book. And he says something like, um, how can it be that his back was turned to me, but I still knew? His back was, to, you know, this guy that he fell in love with, saw him, his back was turned and he fell in love with him. And that, I had exactly that experience in my like violin school on a Saturday. <gasps> saw this girl fell madly in love with her for like the next three years but her back was turned it was amazing so I literally went through that book and like underlined it lovely found my copy pencil underlinings but yeah so obviously did know I was a bit gay just didn't do anything about it for quite a long time 
It's quite, um, Moab is my wash pot. I haven't read that for years because they're not. They're, I read his one. last one, and his last one is a really weird, more full me or whatever it's called, where it never has a book felt more like the deadline has been missed. Aww. And about halfway through, he goes. But then again, I think probably the best thing that sums this up is my diary that yeah, I did at the and time. He just reads and you it go, well. hang on. Yeah, it's a very odd one because yeah. it's like the the first half is generally summing up the previous two books. Yeah, and then he goes. Then my mum and dad came round and I gave him satsumas because we were off to the Baftas. Yeah, and then this is what I wrote then in my he diary. Goes, Here is my diary. Yeah, because Moab's Morshpot is is great, and that it's was a really good book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also the later ones, quite a lot of uh, celebrity names, I would oh. say. Whereas well, the, I know. tell you what, Hugh Laurie always said to me, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. but it's interesting. That's like, you know, where you like a band and they do an album yeah. about being in a small town and then exactly. they do albums about how Hollywood is yeah. boring and you're like, I can't relate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not exactly. that Stephen Fry was ever a, a small town guy, no. I suppose. But Who's your favourite celebrity autobiography? Oh, Ooh, well, that's a know, good question. I liked, okay, I'm going to answer this fully. I, there's been some that I've genuinely really been interested in. The guy who was framed for murder, one of the West Memphis Three, uh, what is his name? I can't remember, but he is the main one who they really, really were like, he's a Satanist, and he was like... It's an interesting choice metal. of celebrity, that, isn't it? Well, <laughs> well my favourite Memphis Satanist, and that's what I mean by celebrity. West Memphis. OK, West Memphis, because Celebrity Squares, if you'd been a booker on that, <laughs> bloody hell. I'm oh, afraid, Jones, almost <laughs> everyone you put on this is currently unavailable <laughs> due to incarceration. Well, you, if you read it, you'll learn that he got out, actually, at the end. Um, I also read a really good thing called An Imperfect Offering, which is, again, not really celebrity, but it's the biography of a guy who set up Medicines on Frontier. Right. Um, then uh, I don't really read autobiographies. I just can't. I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, who cares? Ah, yeah. Write me something, you know, or, 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 or I think. I, I'm trying to think, but those are the two autobiographies that I've been most into. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Oh. I've been reading Oliver Reed's. <laughs> Read all yeah. about it. Oh, I, lovely I, I, when, I, when I was up in, uh, um, where was it, Wigtown, I went to the bookshop and I go, it was £15, but I bet it's worth it. Is it? Uh, yeah, it was just fun. I mean, you. What I love about some of those ones is you, you, you look at, you think of the ghost writer's face. Because yeah. I might be huh. wrong, but I don't think Oliver Reed suddenly had a week where he got his typewriter out and was bang, 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 I shan't bang. be drinking today. Yes, <laughs> I have my memoirs to write. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I like those some of those ghost written ones where you just know that those people mm-hmm. are. I don't like the ghost written ones where you think, mm, uh, you know what? You've got you a could, template. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think a lot of them are like that. Lemmy's White Line Fever is a lot of fun. That's an interesting one. Did you know? he write that? Uh, With yeah, I presume so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I presume so. And then Born Standing Up by Steve Martin, which we always mention. That that Ooh, that is a, like uh, that. A, a a great one. Yeah, that's um, by the way, was it Damien Eccles, the guy you're yes. thinking of? Yeah. Oh, you absolute! It was Trent wrote that up on the screen. Don't act like he <laughs> knows who Damien well, Eccles though, is. Yeah, he did it very <laughs> well. <laughs> um, right now, more oh, of the list. So more of the gay books. That's what we we're on. The gay books. Fry green tomato. Sorry, just, no, sorry. <laughs> It's interesting, the check, because I'm very interested in what you're going to say. Because for my generation, I think the big one was The Beautiful Room is Empty uh, by Evan White. I've heard of that. And that would be, but that's what I find interesting. You know, that, that certain, like when I was talking to Grace Petrie, yeah. and I mentioned Derek Jarman, and Derek Jarman's diaries and collections, there's like Modern Nature's one of them. There's one that was originally called Last of England, which I think changed the name. Yeah, and Grace has never heard of Derek Jarman. That for She's my generation, young. 
in the in the eighties and the nineties. You know, here was this voice of someone who uh, was not merely out, but also publicly talking about being HIV. Mm-hmm. And and for someone who is only what what's Grace sixteen years younger than me, seventeen years younger mm-hmm. than me, that this person who was an icon within this incredible changing time, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, everything moves too quickly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's quite. Um, frightening in a way that everything's too fast yeah mm. that people are like yeah that person yes you made your you uh, made your imprint for five minutes goodbye yeah. thank you yeah I feel like he still has a bit of an imprint been to his house he's Have the you? one that lives in dungeon had That's a house right. in dungeon oh, yeah, amazing yeah so cool yes so, yeah People still go and look at his Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's forgotten, <laughs> but I think it's interesting. Yeah, that, uh, he's not such a mainstream Because I thought they were name. amazing. Have you read any of his diaries? I haven't. I've only seen like, a couple of his films. So They're re- Jubilees are very... Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. it's your bit. Sorry. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> anyway, it's yeah. your books. Books. <laughs> all books. Mine are all much more um, mainstream than that. So, Fried Green Tomatoes, great lesbian novel. Do you but know? People don't know that because they fucking wiped it out of the film. Whoa, seriously? Big lesbians in that book. So, do you remember? Do you remember there was um, Itchy, what was her name? Itchy Threadgood and Ruth J- Ruth Davidson. She's Jameson. Do you remember this this plot line? So they, like, there was a woman who's abused by her husband in the book and this other woman who loved her and they moved, who was like the, the bee charmer and they moved in together and had a lesbian relationship in the book. Right. And in the film, it's just not... They just go it's to just the cinema not. once. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, I don't know. I it's just really... Yeah. And Fanny Flagg, who writes... She writes these incredibly Fanny mainstream... Flagg. I mean, Bloody she's love them. putting it out there. Yeah. They're all, you know, very heartwarming, very kind of like chocolate boxy books. But she's a lesbian and they, she, she gets the lesbians into those books all set in Alabama. I respect to Fanny Flagg, I yeah. say. Anyway. So, yeah. But I can't believe they... So they straight-washed it. Is yeah, they straight washed it. It was like, you know, this was the early 90s, so sure, and it was Hollywood. Derek Bloody German in 1985. It's so yeah. funny Derek that Derek German was going working on a time. very different budget for his Indeed. films. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Exactly. But you also think, you know, that is a film definitely marketed to women and yes. aimed at women. And yeah. you would kind of think that in in that marketing, they would be less frightened as if mm. women don't all know each other, as if women don't know lesbians. Yeah. As if lesbians aren't women, you know? I don't think... That, they wouldn't do it now, but yeah, I guess it course. was the times they have changed. Sure. They have in a big way. Which sure, is, you would never know. Yeah. My problem is I'm so obsessed with food that all I can really think about yes, when I think that, of that film is oh my God, the idea food. of fried green yeah. tomatoes. I just cup. always wanted to eat them, and I did eat them once, and it was so disappointing. Because oh. in your head, they're like the most delicious, fatty... Yeah. Fucking doesn't taste of anything. It's tomatoes. Green tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Have we um, mentioned all this before about Tove Janssen? Oh, I oh. love her. She's so great. Yeah, because I, 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 I don't know if it was just that someone put up the, recently the picture of her with her partner that she spent mm. most of her life with, a uh, female partner, and just the fact that it was, uh, you know, the publisher all just went, well, she's a very strange woman who lives alone. Oh, God. And so, you know, that, that old, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the female the version of, of, of the confirmed bachelor. He yeah. just always stayed in his house in Kensington in his flat. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading um, Excellent Women by Barbara Pym. Have you read that? It's no. one of those. It's lovely. She's a lovely writer, very charming, very funny, but very kind of posh 1950s female author. One of those, I don't know. It's about. So, Excellent Women is about these single women in their early 30s who are considered spinsters, who um, therefore like do everyone else's drudgery because all the married couples kind of get these 
single women to do their dirty work for some reason. But in in this book, these two women move into the flat downstairs and it, they're quite obviously a lesbian couple, but she doesn't say they're a lesbian couple. And there's no... But that's quite fun when, you know, people were putting them in the books and they obviously were just, like, accepted, but just called it's friends like we don't talk and about don't that. Really talk about it. Yeah, exactly. God. Yeah. Yes. So that I guess that must have happened all the time. Let me just find some more funny books or gay books. Oh, uh, yeah, we can move on to funny books if you... Like, uh, thank you for being so thorough. That's all right. See, now I've lost all my book list. There we go. There's the book list. Um, Tales of the City. Ah, great. that would have been around. Yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah that was what late eighties, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those were brilliant. So atmospheric about that sense of place that he creates in those books, and they are a bit like the first one is brilliant, and they do get a bit mad. Huh. They do go slightly. He like wrote one about the Jamestown like cult. Oh, everyone, the Jonestown. Like, sorry, Jonestown. Yeah, exactly. Oh, one of his books that. is about that. It's like suddenly turns into a thriller with like lots of weird murders, and you're like, hang on a minute. I thought I was going to get charming San Francisco. Nope. I got but that was murders. a major part, wasn't it? There was. Yeah. Who was? I was reading an article the other day about someone. Uh, it was an old copy of. Uh, it's called Argonaut, and it was all about this comic book guy who uh, Jim Jones used to love these comics that he wanted to share with all of his uh, um, parishioners when he was in San Francisco, and God, he it's... just supplied him with all of these comics, and then kind of a few years later went, oh, well, also... that went awry. Yeah, but for a while, especially while they were wow. still in San Francisco, that must have just been a quirky element to where you lived. It was a big yeah. congregation. It was like a thousand people. So you'd be like, oh, it's those guys. Yeah, I mean, they're a little bit out there, but, you know, they're very, very friendly and we, you know, we get on with them well enough and they cook a really nice dal or whatever and we go and hang out with them, you know. Yeah. And then suddenly they're in Guyana. Yeah. Astonishing. Bad stuff. Yeah, real bad real times. Bad, real bad times. <laughs> Glad I wasn't there. <laughs> We'd probably have got sucked in. That's what I, I like uh, the idea that this podcast would be. And I'm glad I wasn't part of the Jim Jonestown <laughs> massacre. Thank you very Grateful much. Grateful every day for that. God. So we're going to find out next week uh, with our guest Melvin Bragg which genocide he was glad not to be part of. <laughs> um, but also, this does. I can see fully how all of these relate to your book a little bit because it was a real thrill for me to read a book set in London. Mm-hmm. that felt really like obviously you live near where I live you understand mm-hmm. where I live and just the sense of place was really I thought really deft in it Thank because you. you were sort of talking about these different spaces but it wasn't it wasn't like oh, overdone it just felt yeah. really in the place and yeah. I was like yes I understand yes Thank I think that yes yes, yeah. that's yes I can imagine that journey actually yes, yes. so it's a real thrill yeah. and it reminded me a bit of um Reading Amy Liptrot's uh, The Out, Outrun. I read that. It's a memoir that she wrote about um, living in Hackney and being an alcoholic and then moving to Orkney to recover. Um, I don't know whether recovery is... Oh, I don't know about the terminology properly, sorry. But it was about her recovery swimming in the sea in Orkney, but it mm. starts out in Hackney. Mm. And again, reading that, I was like just so excited by how well-placed it was. And being oh. like... She, she was talking about, I think, cycling along Mare Street or something. Yeah. But the way she wrote it, I was like, oh, I'm there. I can picture it. <laughs> yes. One of the first books that did that for me, which is also on my list, uh, was White Teeth by Zadie Smith because I grew up very near Zadie Smith in northwest London. And she, when I read White Teeth, there was this, this page, I turned the page and she refers to this woman, she refers to her as Mad Mary, which is what we all called this woman, which I now realise is deeply wrong and terrible and offensive. But she was a woman who used to kind of walk around the streets in North West London shouting at people and hitting them with this, like, bamboo cane. And she just, Zadie Smith just wrote her into the book, didn't change her name. And I just couldn't believe, it just was so exciting to read, like, literally a person that I used to see in a novel. It's like this book is written for you. Yeah. 
It was very exciting. But yeah, poor Mad Mary. Sorry that we called you that. Terrible. Famous now. Of course, you get Famous all the royalties. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she must have people going to visit to look for her. Yeah. Wondering the God, streets. That's probably true. Mm. Oh, God. Do you mainly read novels? Is that your big thing? Yeah. And has it always been your big thing? It has always been my big thing. I used to read, when I was into kids' books, I used to read a lot of children's books. But I've kind of, then I started working in children's books and was like, going to stop doing that now um but yeah novels and there are so many you know you kind of i, I think now that i'm writing novels i want to know what everyone's doing i want to read all the new exciting ones and see yeah. see what other people are doing so i think that's what i'll keep doing that but, makes sense yeah but i think i whenever i do read some some non-fiction i'm i love it and wonder why i don't do it more and actually i do love memoirs because so fascinating like people's lives but ordinary lives are so interesting Whereas, mate, yeah, I think when people become famous, not as interesting. But yeah, yeah, it is fascinating, and I should do more of it. Yeah, there's a book, Pergamon Press, is it? Who do a lot of uh, kind of fine books that have disappeared? You know, got mm. quite, and there was one that I picked up for my dad, and, and I can't remember the title of it now. But it's it's just it's it's this woman's kind of diary during the war. Oh wow! Oh, that's and it's a and it's just yeah. A, yeah again was... as you said that bit where. Those that's why someone I've talked about before on this, uh, who is Tony Parker, uh-huh. who writes these documentary books. Like he wrote one all about light, lighthouse keepers and their partners, mm-hmm. and he interviewed people and then just removes the questions and then puts it together as a narrative. And he did one uh, in this Kansas town, which is just called Bird Kansas. Oh, but wow. but the the it's been given a fictional name, but it was a real Kansas town. He wrote one about people who are uh, life sentences, uh, and it's just this really. Uh, I love to re- like in cold blood. We were talking yes. about that so documentary book. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. yeah, and the style of I, I I tell you what I have read that I didn't love as much as my friend who recommended it to me. Uh, Diana Athill wrote a memoir I about really having an yeah. affair with a guy who thought that he was God. Speaking of cults, okay, I haven't read that one, but I do like her stuff. It's cool. I yeah. can't remember what it's called because I'm annoying. But uh, her style was really. Um, I found her style to be really uh, journalistic in a yes. way that I could really get behind. Yeah. Yeah. It was like clear and. Yeah. No bullshit, and yeah, I love her books. So I read. There's one called Step, which is about being an editor, which I loved because I was an editor for ages, and that's great. Also, she gives you loads of gossip. She's like, "Vs. Naples was this and this and this." Whatever. Yeah. She's like, "Dishes of dirt." I guess she's like a hundred. She's over a hundred now, so yes. she just she's just really yeah, incredible. She, she left working. a gig that I did once. She stayed for the first half, but she said, "I'm so sorry, you're talking too fast for my hearing aids." Amazing. Her next book, we're robbing in. (laughs) She wrote this one called Alive Alive O, which is about being old. And that is a really interesting book and really life affirming. But also, she kind of is like, oh, I jumped into bed with him. I jumped into bed with him. She just doesn't give a shit. And it's really fascinating. But this kind of great detachment that you get when you're that old is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I interviewed one of the children's books I edited was this book called. Voices from the Second World War, and we interviewed all these people who had, you know, experienced the Second World War, which was amazing because you know you kind of like talk to your gran a bit, but when you really talk to people about what they did, it is fascinating. And yeah. one of the people was this cinematographer called Wolfgang Sashitsky, who did the cinematography for Get Carter, wow. but he was like born in Vienna. So this is literally the biggest tangent ever. He was like born in Vienna and his dad had owned a socialist bookshop. And he's like, oh, it was so sad because he was ahead of his time and he killed himself. And then we moved and like his life was so long. That was just one of, you know, he just kind of threw that away. Yeah. And he was like, then I moved to Am- to Amsterdam. And luckily my li- my life, bleh, wife left me and I left Amsterdam. Otherwise I'd be dead. <gasps> then, do you know what I mean? And it was just so amazing the detachment that he had from all of these 
really traumatic events in his life because he's so he was 103 which is insane yeah but yeah i find that kind of weirdly comforting yes yes when you become a point goodbye robin Bye. robin has to go but we can keep going for a little bit have you have fun tell me what the second half of the list was i totally will listen to it yeah yes yeah i think yeah when you get to that old you're yeah, you're like a historical record. Yeah. And you feel like... It's like um, Harry Leslie Smith who's always like, yes, and in 1933 yeah. this happened and this person died and this person died yeah. and because of this. Yeah. It is fascinating. I really enjoyed... We we did a podcast with um, Richard Holloway who uh, was the ex-bishop of Edinburgh mm-hmm. who writes a lot about death and he's in his 80s and he wrote this book called Waiting for the Last Bus mm-hmm. that I really recommend similarly mm-hmm. about kind of old age and death and getting towards it and it's really good. Okay, I've got two more non-fiction books to yes. talk about really quickly recent amazing. ones so one have you read Educated no by, okay it's an amazing book by this woman called Tara Westover who grew up in can't remember the name of the state really embarrassing um, but she was brought up by uh, in a Mormon community but her dad even more than being a Mormon like she thinks that he possibly had bipolar is what she thinks now but he believed that the world was about to end Ooh. and he was like fully stockpiling peaches for some reason preserved peaches and so that's how she grew up, really fully believing that, like, on the millennium, that was it. And his, her dad was really pissed off when the world didn't end and got really depressed. And she didn't. She never went to school and she taught herself to read by reading books. And when she was 17, she went to school for the first time. And in, a, in like, her first class, she they, someone mentioned the Holocaust and she put her hand up and said, what's the Holocaust? And everyone thought she was being anti-Semitic, but she had no idea what the Holocaust was. Anyway, it's an amazing book. And she... She kind of threw herself into studying, got a scholarship to Harvard, got a scholarship to Cambridge or Oxford, and is now this incredible writer. Wow. But it's such an interesting, again, fascinating story. Which is much more interesting than, and then I became an actor on the set yeah. of this. Yeah, exactly. And it'd be really interesting to see what she does next, because I'm like, that is one hell of a story. Yeah, How do you follow can... that? The next one will be, I bought a dog. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the other one is um, I Am, I Am, I Am by Maggie O'Farrell who, she's a novelist, but this book is about, it's called, I think the subtitle is something like 17 Brushes with Death, and it's about 17 times in her life that she's had near-death experiences. A lot of bloody near-death experiences. A, I've had one. Stay inside. Oh, no, maybe Turn two if you count. When I was a really <laughs> little, um, when I was about 14, we were doing the discus at school, and we were doing it in alphabetical order. Yeah. And a Dana Grant <laughs> was about to throw the discus... I think it was a Dana Grant. If it wasn't, it might have been Heather Chris. See, but mm-hmm. but Jennifer Modern was uh-huh. in front of me, Josie oh, yeah. Long. I mean, yeah, she yeah. shouldn't have been. No. She should have been behind, Absolutely. as we can all tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the discus flew from either Heather Chris or, Je- or a Dana Grant's hand backwards. Jennifer Modern put her arm out. The discus snapped her arm in half. No, it did not. It, it 100% did, not. did. But it, she stopped the trajectory of the discus heading oh. for my head. Oh, my God. Was it visible? Did it go... The arm did the did the arm visibly snap? No, I, it okay. just broke. Okay, but it audibly oh, snapped. Oh, that's horrendous. And that's the only like to other. I was in a car crash where afterwards everyone was like, "You should be dead," and we were like, "Ah, uh, or you could not say that." Yeah, that would be. Um, cool. Those are my two times I think. Oh, terrible! I've but it does make you think about it, and I can't remember. I don't think I've had that many. But anyway, seventeen, 17. quite a number. After seventeen, you think you're yeah. tempting death. Yeah. And the first one is this terrible experience that she has where a man, like she goes on a walk and there's a creepy man and he puts this kind of, she knows that he's, there's something 
is not right with this encounter. And he's got these like binoculars and he puts them around her neck. And somehow she gets out of the situation, but then later he does murder someone with his bloody binoculars. Oh my God. It's so terrifying, but it's so brilliantly written and amazing. Is Margot Farrell John O'Farrell's wife? I have no idea if there's a connection between the O'Farrells. I feel like there's, because I feel like I might have met her because she might be a swimmer, but this is probably a very boring... She does, she has some near-death experiences in water, so it's possible. It's, again, <laughs> stop swimming. Wherever stop she it. goes, she has a near... Wow, that's so, I'm, I want to write it down, but I don't need to because we're going to put book. it in a list. Um, and <laughs> So how do you, like, how do you find things like that? Is it like recommendations of friends or do you feel like you're kind of always got feelers out or are you just, like... Yeah, mm. it's really diverse the different things that you're reading. It is interesting. I think th- those two um, definitely kind of publishing Twitter because now that I'm, I don't know, I work in used to work in publishing and I've written a book, so I follow a lot of publishers. And so people, you kind of get to see you the things that people what? talk about. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and then you kind of go and read the things that people are talking about, and often they're good, and sometimes they're not as good. But you just don't. You don't say that. You don't need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's interesting things like what I love about this podcast is we're never going. Tell me what's shit. Yeah. We're always like, tell me things that you're passionate and interested yeah. in. And as a result, you always come away from it being like, oh, I feel really enlivened and excited. Yeah. And never like, well, the world's not good enough. No, you know? exactly. I don't see, I have a thing about book reviews. Obviously, again, I've just written a book, so maybe I'm feeling vulnerable. But especially in kids' books, there's like very little review space. So the nice thing is that when books are reviewed, it's always a, a nice review. Yeah. And I sort of think like, there are so many books out there and so little spaces for reviews just review what you like don't draw attention to people you know people's attention to stuff that you don't like just yeah. don't do it they but won't see it also on the other hand i would like to say the authors of peekaboo moon there are two <laughs> books called peekaboo moon one of which is a charming book about uh tired bears snuggle and snooze in your cozy cave the other one peekaboo moon I feel like it's trading on the name Peekaboo Moon. It's an Osborne book. I think it's written... I can't remember who it's written by. I don't. I think it's one of those books that's, like, not got an author. Yeah, I used to work for Osborne. What? Genuinely. Could you please take yeah, my criticism? Peekaboo Moon, I, I have to... Re- take myself. it to them now. Yeah. It's not yours. You, you don't have to mind this. <laughs> but I have to read it every night to my child because we're trying to get her in a consistent bedtime routine. So we read her a number of books, mm-hmm. but then we read Peekaboo fucking Moon, and I shouldn't have chosen it. Shit. But we've got there now, and one... It rhymes, but it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Two, there's no narrative. Damn it. Three, for no reason, at the end, there's a picture of a star with a mirror. Oh, there's so no moon peekabooing. Where's the moon? I guess it's like Are the you theme of night. The moon? Okay. Honestly, it's, they're just trying to rip off Good Night Moon, aren't they? Have you read? Have you read that one? Oh no, that is this is so, so depressing. Good. I, I don't even have the right one. Okay, Good Night Moon, classic American children's book. Right, I'm bloody it down amazing and away. really weird. It's a really good one. Get it for the baby. God, good that is my top baby recommendation. Peekaboo moon, I am furious. Good night moon. It's the one you want. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the baby won't know the difference. No, if really anything, she'll be pleased. It's probably why she's such a bad sleeper these yeah. days. It's peekaboo bloody moon. She's waking up every hour like, and another criticism. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is, when I used to, again, work in kids' books and... There are lots of really classy, funny picture books and people buy them for their kids. And often the kids do really like them. But often the things that the kids like are things that the parents really hate. Yeah. And you stuck with it over again. You're stuck with it. But then obviously it's doing its job. It's pleasing its market. Yeah. Can't complain with that. Yes. And also there's nothing worse than adults pretending the adult stuff, like forcing a child to like things they don't like. 
Yeah. It's mean. No, it's mean. And to be like, no, no, they actually really love this. And, and it's like, they don't. They like the box. Let them read what they want to read or look at play with a cardboard box. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's you. valid. Got, yeah. I'm sorry that I got into Peekaboo Moon. That's Tell okay. me more. Um, Can I re- should I just read you a few more books? That yes, I, really I would love it. Good. So I love Heartburn by Nora Ephron. <gasps> I just wanted to mention it. Incredible. It's such a good book. Yes. It's so good. It's, just, that's what I wanted to say. And that's one of the books in terms of the drama of it, where she's yes. at the dinner table and he's basically yeah. saying, sorry, spoiler alert, he's saying, oh, I want you to look, bring up my kids while I just have this affair. And, and it, she's like, I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And it's like that tension yeah. is astonishing. So good. And she and that is such a great book because it's so funny. She's so She tells it in this quite like held back wry tone. Yes. And it's really angry and really funny. And then right at the end, she like lets the emotion out yes. and you see how sad she is about it. And it's and just like really, hits you yeah the ending is brilliant yeah and I think yeah and also it's again it's it's a genre blur isn't it Mm. it's got so many different elements to it yeah Uh, you know and it's so funny as well because it's another thing that I think is treated as if women's fiction is some sort of exclusive genre that everyone wouldn't be thrilled by yeah when actually it's like the most incredibly written yeah book totally about what it means to uh, try and have a relationship with an asshole. Complete dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I love man. that book. It's such a good book. Also, the recipes are like exciting. Oh, yes, the recipes. It's just charming, and it's kind of weirdly, you know, I don't know. It takes you. It's it's uplifting and really sad. Like she's obviously having a terrible time, but manages to make it seem kind of weirdly aspirational and glamorous. Don't yes. know how she does it, but yeah. it is. Well, it's because she's so she cool. Is. Yeah, she's. So cool. you're like, I want to be as cool as yeah. you and as strong as you. Yeah. And she has that thing of place again. So she makes New York and her in her films as well seem like the best place in the entire yes. world. And you just want to yeah. go there, which is really cool. Yeah, love her. Um, and just want to see uh, if there's anything else. Oh, Orlando by Virginia Woolf. Uh, another, another one I read at university, but like so exciting to get to it, yes. and because it just again read like a I remember at the time thinking it read like a kid's book then I tried to reread it afterwards and was like clearly I've just been reading a lot of modernist fiction and I thought it was a children's book Um, (laughs) but that was just so exciting and really queer and fun and like she's just having so much fun in that book brilliant yeah and it's funny with things like that as well because you read other things that are so po-faced at that time Mm -hmm. where the person has such a clear agenda of trying to set out a literary manifesto within what they're writing or treat the literature as a philosophical experiment or whatever you know yeah. and then to read something that's actually like really rollicking yeah. you're like thank you yeah exactly it didn't have to be this yeah, way it didn't need to be that hard um, we have to wrap up so that's please fine. tell me one more book to finish um, if you want okay Col- uh, no Americana have you read that book? It's so good I've got it and I haven't read it yet because I'm it. so crap and slow it's fantastic I think you'll really like it that's all I've got to say that it's sounds great. great. Um, thank you so much for coming. It's really exciting. I really recommend your book. I absolutely loved it. I read it so quickly. It was so good. Thank you. It's, it's my so pleasure. lovely. <laughs> I can do this every day. Cool. <laughs> um, that's the end of the show. Good day. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for all your support on Patreon and any purchases that people have been making through our new online shop as well. Do check that out. Book bags, notebooks, badges, all that sort of stuff. Signed copies of Robin's book are available there as well, which he can personally dedicate to you if you would like. We'll be back again next week with another new episode of Book Shambles. 
Until then, have a great week and bye. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.